0: Welcome to Episode 6 of the Details of Life with Marcus Wilson. I am your host, Marcus Wilson, and I got to tell you guys, I'm sick as a dog right now. Just it seems like 50% of the Midwest in the country right now, you know, uh, but I feel like like this is my Jordan game, or when this is over, I'm just going to go collapse on the bench or go collapse on my bed, but, you know, we got like 6,500 views in five shows, so obviously the show must go on, right? There's people out there wanting to listen. I feel like we're putting out good content, and today's episode is going to be no different. We're bringing on city treasurer Tashara Jones. Um, I want to preface this that uh, Tashara Jones is a Democrat, and by no means is this a promotion for her, but she represents the community that I serve, right? And so just like State Rep. Riley Price, State Rep. Stephen Roberts, uh, Order Woman Shameen, Order Woman Jeffrey Boyd, uh, State Rep. Carla May, my job and my community is represent my people and take the concerns of the people to the people representing us. And so she lives in the community that I serve. And so I do want to be very bipartisan on this show, so I'm definitely going to make sure I bring um, another Republican on and get their views so no one says that I'm giving uh, unequal, you know, uh, voices to anyone. But, you know, Tashara has been very outspoken on a couple issues like airport privatization, uh, better together, um, women, women's rights. We touched on all those topics, Uh, crime in the city, uh, offering solutions, not just complaining about it. So these are all things we talked about today. And so uh, I definitely wanted to get her on the show. And give you guys the opportunity to hear it from her. Not sound bites from the media. And uh, and the last thing I want to say is. I know this is dropping on March 1st. But you know we just celebrated Black History Month. And therefore I felt like it was only right to wear this shirt. And uh, I'm glad that uh, we were able to celebrate that. It's kind of a touchy subject with me. Because I feel like African American history. Or black history. Whatever you want to call it. Is American history. Um, and it should be celebrated year round. But hey. You know. That's not the topic of this show today. But uh, just wanted to let you guys know where I was coming from today uh, please bear with me right now uh, as I'm trying to fight through this cold but uh, with that without further ado let's bring on City Treasurer Tashara Jones welcome ladies and gentlemen to another episode of the details of life with Marcus Wilson today we have City Treasurer from St. Louis my friend Miss Tashara Jones how you doing Tashara
1: great thanks Th-
0: thank you for coming on today thanks for having me all right well we'll dive right in um, so I know, you know, I know you and I know that your dad was in politics and some people want to get in politics and some don't. But could you tell me why and how you got into politics?
1: Well, first off, um, thanks for having me again, but I never wanted to be a politician. Mm. Um, I'm what some may call a reluctant leader. And what happened was, you know, I saw my dad's career and how it didn't end on the greatest note. Um, many people may know that he was sent to federal prison on what I now think are trumped up charges just to get him out of office. And afterwards, I said, well, maybe this isn't my career path. Uh, but the quickest way to make God laugh is to tell him what you would never do. Right. <laughs> uh, so, you know, I was uh, asked to fill a unexpired term of committee woman in 2002 in in the ward that i lived in in the eighth ward and uh that woke up some genetic you know make some latent dna right, 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 right. <laughs> um, and uh i really enjoyed doing that and then i got asked to run for state rep and then ran for treasurer and the rest they say is history
0: well i know some people i was just at uh i was just at the state capitol building and Carla May was just saying it's so important to get into politics because the lawmakers pretty much control everything. They uh, do. and it's good to have people that have that are in there for the good intentions, not to right you know um, take advantage of anything. So the next thing I really wanted to ask was uh you know I see this in my business I see this all across uh, the country really um, women trying to balance being firm without being labeled angry or being labeled a bee or whatever and so. You know, you're someone Mm -hmm. who has been outspoken on some things and you've obviously climbed the ladder. So I'm sure you've ran into some things like that. Could you what advice would you give to women who are facing things like that and how they move up in the business world?
1: Well, we still have a a double standard in this country uh, and probably in the world about women um, who are passionate. Right. And, you know, where a man is angry, they're seen as passionate Um, or particularly a white man, Mm. Uh, but a black man isn't, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, It tends to, that angry trope tends to uh, be limited to just black men and black women. Um, And I haven't quite conquered that yet because I'm still very passionate about the things that Mm -hmm. I believe in. Um, And I do get angry um, when I'm fighting for something uh, that I think is very important to my people. Right. Um, So. I would say, you know, but there are times when um, I'm able to build relationships first. Mm-hmm. I think that that's that's key is building relationships with the people that you're working with first. Like I have relationships across the aisle with Republicans, and so when I am angry about a particular issue, they know I'm I'm not angry at them. I'm yes. angry at the issue.
0: Right? Yeah. I mean, I've I've faced that myself, and but I know that it's even worse <laughs> for women. Uh, When I'm, you know, I'm 6'4 and I get up and I'm passionate about something, people can say, oh, he's being angry. Uh, But I also know just for women, it's even worse. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's important for uh, women out there to know that that's something that you're going to face against. But I think that you're exactly right. If people know where you're coming from and you have relationships prior to it and they know that you're doing it for a just cause, I think a lot of times that can it can help. It's not going right. to overcome th- it, but it can help.
1: And I think nationally they're pushing back on that a lot. If we looked at the presidential election, for example, um, Elizabeth Warren is very passionate and she yeah. has tried. They've tried to label her as angry. And in turn, she embraced it. Yeah. Same thing Hillary Clinton did. She yep. embraced it, right? And they had the whole angry women's caucus or whatever that yeah. was. And even when I ran for mayor, they tried to say I had a bad attitude. So I turned it around and I embraced it and put it on a T-shirt. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Sometimes you do have to just embrace it and run right, with it. Yeah. Right. Um, so, um, so what What do you think, what would be some of the things that you think that we could do better as a city to help decrease the violence, especially amongst our youth?
1: Well, I've, I've always held uh Uh, a belief that poverty is the father of crime Mm -hmm. and if we address poverty we slowly address crime because a lot of the i I would say a lot of crime is related to you know issues related to poverty so the things i've done in my office i've increased minimum wage to 15 dollars and we've seen that that has started to follow um a Across the region, uh, Sam Page has increased the minimum wage to, or started mm-hmm. on a path. Washington University started on that same path. Uh, the mayor announced increasing minimum wage uh, for civil service workers to $15. Mm-hmm. So, the more people we have earning a living wage, the more they can take care of their families, the more they can take care of themselves, and start to, you know, increase their own station yep. in life. Um, I also think that we don't do enough to address mental health and substance abuse. One thousand percent in this city. Um, We have zero to no resources for homeless people in the region. Um, We deal with it a lot with homeless people sleeping in our garages and in our our, uh, elevators and we have no place to send them because Mm -hmm. uh, the city shut down Larry Rice's shelter. Good, bad or indifferent, I don't know, you know, what people think of them, but it was a shelter nonetheless. Mm -hmm. Biddle House, you know, doesn't offer a lot of services. So we, we still have to take care of the least of these. I bring a Matthew 25 mindset to my mm, job and mm. we have to take care of the least of these. Um, we have to uh, make sure that our schools are, are, are getting everything, that every tax dollar that they need and are giving our children a high quality education yep. and that our schools are able to give that those wraparound services to our children because we don't know what they're showing up with, the kind of yep. trauma that they're showing up with on a daily basis. Yep. And we have to be able to fully, fund our education system so our schools are able to take care of our babies and raise uh, and, and and so they're able to grow up in a great environment um uh and uh you know I, and this is just my personal opinion we got to close the workhouse we have mm-hmm. to stop this arrest and incarcerate model mm-hmm. because more police does not prevent crime um paying attention to the root causes of crime prevents yeah. crime
0: yeah i I couldn't agree more with a lot of things you said. I think if you look at where there's crime, not only in America, but across the world, it's usually areas with low education. And there's a lot. And then, therefore, when you have low education, that turns into poverty. And then when people don't have means to take care of their families, they're going to do things that. Mm-hmm. ends up turning into crime. and so
1: right I, And one more thing I forgot and this is the thing that I, I have been truly passionate about. We need social workers in the police department. Yeah. Um, we've seen in every city that, that has had a market decrease in crime, they've had an increase in social workers working directly with first responders because um, they did a, a study um, in the North District. Um, they had social workers with cops. it was called cops and clinicians. They had social workers with our, uh, our officers for a two-week period. And over 800 semi calls that were received, almost 50% could be answered by a social worker. Oh, wow. So what does that tell you? Our people need help.
0: Wow. No, that's that's, that's amazing. Because I, I know that there's a lot of things that, just at my why, we just try to love on the kids as much as we can. But mm-hmm. we also know that there's kids coming in that they're dealing with things that we can't deal with. You know, right. they they've seen... Murders. They've seen their parents on drugs. They've seen uh, assaults on their loved ones. And so mm-hmm. then they come to us and they have all this on them. And so uh, I think that's really important. Right. Um, so a couple things that I want you to talk about is airport privatization and Better Together. Mm-hmm. A lot of us hear the sound bites on it, but they don't actually hear what they don't know everything that's going on. So could you tell us a little, little bit about. About well, we'll just start with airport privatization. Correct. What is it and are you for or, what or against was it? it? What, well, what was, was it? it? <laughs>
1: um, so I think it's important for your, your v- viewers and your listeners to know that airport privatization and Better Together were all funded by the same person, this billionaire named Rex Sinkfeld, who has been using the state of Missouri as his own little Petri dish for economic experiments. Mm. And so he he funded Better Together, which was the first thing, and it put a ballot Initiative, it, would, it planned to put a ballot initiative on the statewide ballot um, that meant that um, that would uh, uh, completely eviscerate the city of St. Louis, first off. Second, um, it would have um, increased uh, property taxes in some areas and decreased property taxes in others. Um, he would have appointed uh, the county executive, the then county executive, Steve Stinger, as a metro mayor for an extended period of time and would have extended his term two or three years. It also would have extended Cruson's term for a couple of years as well. Mm-hmm. And they would have been co-mayors and would have been able to individually decide the fate of the region themselves without a, a, a corresponding vote of either the people or a city council. Mm-hmm. Um And so those those were the major pieces, obviously, of the legislation. But where I took offense, well, because of the whole Metro mayor thing, I just felt like that was, you know, a new version of apartheid. The second piece uh, that I took offense to was we had people from all over the state deciding our fate. Right. Not in the city of St. Louis, in the county of St. Louis. Right. And we already have a process in the Constitution. It's called the Board of Electors or the Board of Freeholders.
0: So pause for one second. So for the people that don't know what we're talking about, this would have been a, this would have been something on a state ballot where people in Kansas City, uh, Neosho, Springfield, be voting, right, would be voting on what's best for St. Louis. That's exactly. What you're okay.
1: Exactly. And that's where I had a problem okay. um, because we don't get to vote on what happens in their cities, right. in their counties. Um, and so we already have a process in place called the Board of Electors or the Board of Freeholders. And so the Municipal League collected signatures to get the county executive and the mayor to appoint um, nine people from each jurisdiction and the governor appoints one. So was a total of 19 uh, to the Board of Freeholders and they would meet for a year in public uh, to um, come up with a plan for if the city should re-enter the county,
0: okay. or
1: and, and and this has been done in previous years. Uh, one of the most success, recent successes of uh, activating the board of freeholders, we all, we now have the Metropolitan Sewer District. That was a product of the board of freeholders. Okay, um, and. What the Board of Freeholders could do is, I mean, it pretty much opens uh, the, 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 the possibilities for them to, um, and for example... Uh, extend the earnings tax in the St. Louis County and make it progressive instead of regressive mm-hmm. like it currently is. Um, they could have combined police departments, fire districts. Uh, fire districts was also not in Better Together, by the right. way, uh, because some of the lobbyists that worked for Better Together were part of the firefighters union. Mm. It's key. That's a key point that a lot of people didn't know. Um, but the Board of Freeholders was a public process. The public would have had input. Then they would put that whatever the, product they agreed on on the ballot we would have some time to look it over and and mull it over and then there would be a special election in st louis city and county and then we would decide if we wanted to merge or whatever the the question was that was on the ballot
0: yeah i was on a i was actually on a board was on there with several other people and you know it, it was interesting because for the better together there were people talking about okay well you know st louis is like top five in crime however if we merge we drop to like 96 and then that would lure bigger businesses here but then the counter to that was we we haven't fixed the problem we have just diluted the numbers exactly right so there's still there's nothing and so you know but then people were like well if if there's a a company like google who's looking at us at top five and then they see that we're 96 maybe they would come and then they would bring resources and dollars and jobs and that would help decrease it but it was just a whole lot that I think that not enough people uh, were given a voice at the table for. Uh, right. And they were good and bad on both sides. But
1: Right, right. It's good
0: to hear. I wanted to get your opinion on, you know, and like allow people to hear what was going on with that and, and, and why. Right.
1: And I, and I also want people to know I wasn't I'm not against any sort of regional collaboration and cooperation. Right. We can do that today. Right. Um, we can do that right now with, you know, cooperating with the St. Louis County Executive and other mayors in the region, other county executives, you know, with other, you know, entering counties. And and we can do that today if we all just come to the table. Yeah. Um, it doesn't require legislation. Yep. Um, and there are things that I'm already doing, you know, working with St. Louis County Executive Sam Page. Yeah. So, you know, cooperation doesn't require legislation. True. Um, and I, I was just against the process, how it was funded, who funded it, and how the public wasn't involved.
0: I totally understand.
1: Right. So, so uh, airport privatization? R- airport privatization. <laughs> Go ahead. Let's So let's airport it. privatization was also funded by Rex Sinkveld. Okay. Uh, his company wrote the RFP and then was awarded the RFP. Um, to then uh, solicit bidders to privatize the operations of the airport. So we would essentially be uh, selling the airport to a private operator for or leasing it for, you know, 99 years, which is a, you know, or a a whole, a long lease. um, And they would operate the airport. Uh, The problem I had was that with that, again, it was clouded in secrecy. Um, this is a major asset of our region and it belongs mm-hmm. to the city of St. Louis. Um, and if it's about, you know, uh, better operations at the airport, the airport is already being operated very well mm-hmm. um, by the current commission that's already there. Uh, this was in, simply put a money grab.
0: Yeah. So how does the, I'm on, I'm uneducated mm-hmm. on this. So I'm, I'm sure there's other people out there as well. How would it affect our region economically? So the that.
1: people who you know essentially, let's just say that a company won the bid, so right. they would be able to um, pay the city a you know large amount of money, and so the city was just looking at the, those who were at the table were just looking at, at this money. as at the money, okay. right? We can use the money that to you know do the other things that we need to do, and you know, that's money's not a bad thing, but I, I, my dad always tells me all money ain't good money. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and I would rather take a look at our revenue position and how, and, 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 and diversifying our, our revenue to try to see what we can increase revenue there of the things that we're already doing. Mm-hmm. Are we leaving any money out there that we're not collecting? Yeah. Uh, Cause we did, we went through that in the treasurer's office. That's a totally different uh, subject, but with the airport, um, you know, so if a private operator comes in, that affects the, the jobs of those who are currently working there. Um, they're unionized with their union mm-hmm. contracts be um, uh, honored or not. Um, it affects the airlines. Will their airline fees be jacked up or not? Um, mm. And and the airport is in cooperation with our office. Recently, we've been able to make the money on their investment, so they've been able to decrease the fees that they charge the air the airlines. Okay. Um, and I think that this was just all this sort of melancholy. Um, nostalgia about you know what our airport used to be right it used to be international um, and after nine eleven, a lot of airports got downgraded to regional airports yeah. um, and no we don't have a Mac store or we still have brooks brothers or we don't have you know all of the stores that you see in all of the major yeah. international airports but does the airport get you in and out <laughs> when you're ne- when you need to fly somewhere right yes or no yeah.
0: yes right. um
1: and and their credit was actually upgraded a couple of times in recent years as well mm-hmm. so it's fiscally solvent um yes there is debt but tell me what municipality doesn't have debt right um and and that debt um, is on track to be paid off soon so Right. Um, but can we do a better job at um, capitalizing on the asset that is the airport and the the land that surrounds it? Absolutely. But do we need private business to do that? I don't think so.
0: Well, thank you for that. Like I said, I'm, I'm still learning on these topics. I'm sure a lot of people mm-hmm. are. So thank you for explaining that. But speaking of uh, investments and things you do with money, uh, could you talk about I know with the Office of Financial Empowerment, I know that you're really passionate about getting uh financial education and empowerment started at the youth level uh, i know that uh, office of financial empowerment was at our youth fair i mean at our summer back to school jam yep. getting kids signed up with bank mm-hmm. accounts mm-hmm. could you tell the people a little bit about what that is and 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 why that's important to you
1: yes yeah, so um, when i ran for treasurer in 2012 I looked at the statistics around um, African-Americans and those who are unbanked or underbanked. And at the time, it was about a third of African-Americans in the city, in the county, were unbanked or underbanked. Being unbanked means that you cash your check at the gas station or the local check cashing place. And over time, you can pay over $1,200 a year in fees just to get access to your money. Yep. Uh, being underbanked means that you might have a checking account or a savings account. But you still use predatory financial services like payday loans, rent to own title loans yep. um, to, you know, access the financial system. And uh, also, I noticed that uh, the average credit score of most people in North St. Louis is below 600. Your mm. credit score determines Everything, everything. How much you pay for everything. Everything. It even sometimes it even determines if you get a job. Yep. It determines your insurance um, and how you move through life. Yep. So I made it a mission to uh, help people get banked and to increase their credit scores because mm-hmm. those two things alone can help people you know get out of whatever rut they're currently in. Right. And um, and the one of the best ways to do that is through children. Mm. Hmm. Um, so that's why we char- started the College Kids Children's Savings Account Program, which gives a uh, children savings account, deposit only account to every kindergartner entering a public school in the city of St. Louis. And we load it with the first $50 mm. that comes from residual parking fees. Okay. So every time you pay a parking ticket... Every time you uh, feed a meter or pay in a park in a city-owned garage, you're helping the babies. Yeah. <laughs> so, look, at it,
0: look at it that way, right,
1: right, right, right. <laughs> so next time you get a parking ticket, don't just go, ah, say, I'm helping the babies. Um, and, uh, and, you know, College Kids is one of over 65 programs in 34 states across the country. And just a couple weeks ago, I testified at the state capitol uh, to help expand this program uh, statewide, the state treasurer is looking to expand to start a college savings account program for every baby born in the state of Missouri. They would get $100. Okay. Uh, so, um, you know, programs like this are growing uh, in states and cities across the country. St. Louis is the second largest program in the nation. Mm. We have 16,000 children saving over $1.1 $1. 1 million for post-secondary choices. That's a wow. two or four year college. That's um uh, vocational or technical school, even apprenticeships. Wow,
0: no, that's awesome. I, kn- I know that I know that you're passionate about that. And anything that empowers our youth uh, financially is is right. awesome we need we need more of that
1: right and and, and also <clears throat> you know we want to make sure that we're helping close the racial wealth gap yep. because the racial wealth gap between white and black families is 10 times so white yep. families are, have 10 times more wealth than black families and if this pro- program in, in St. Louis or nationally nationally okay Um, It's probably worse in St. Louis. Um, And if this program had been started back in 1979 nationally, um, we would have reduced the racial wealth gap by 82 percent, which means that white families would only have two times as much wealth instead of 10.
0: Wow. Those are staggering numbers. Um, But thank you for doing what Mm -hmm. you can to help uh, eradicate that. So for some of you that don't know, many of you do know uh, Tashara ran for mayor in 2017 what were some of the things that you learned along the way because uh, people have act, actually asked me to get into politics i'm like no nah, i don't want i don't want any yeah, parts of that somebody
1: said yeah mayor <laughs> proper mayor the other day on your facebook nah, i'm not doing
0: that <laughs> but uh, so what are some of the things that you've learned along the way especially during your mayoral uh run i've
1: i've, I've learned more about myself um a lot about myself and what i could withstand uh, because the that race was very hectic we did 51 debates in an eight week timeframe. Wow. Um, and that's, you know, that's forums, debates, a whole host of other, uh, other things. And, um, I've learned that, um, that I can build a multiracial, very diverse coalition of people who are all concerned about the future of our city. Yeah. Um, and you know, I, when I pulled up to our, um, was what was supposed to be our victory party um it was it was a little bit of everything it was Mm. rich poor white black muslim christian baptist even even my republican friends came in town for Mm. it so um i was just you know awestruck by the people that i touched and the people that support me
0: yeah i did see i did see during that time i saw a lot of um I think a lot of people just thought that, yeah, you would get a lot of black vote, which you did, but Mm -hmm. I saw a lot of young white millennials who were supporting you as well. And I think that that was a don't know if that was a surprise to a lot of people, but I, I mean, that's good to see when you see people crossing racial lines, crossing. Uh, bipartisan lines mm-hmm. crossing when you can bring people in from all different demographics religious backgrounds racial backgrounds it shows mm-hmm. that you're doing something right so
1: yeah the barber leaf family foundation did some research on black women running for office and they found that black women tend to transcend race hmm. um and if you look in most major cities um in the in the country are run by a black woman hmm. san francisco new orleans hmm. charlotte atlanta
0: wow dc
1: yeah that's i can true. keep going yeah that's true <laughs>
0: That's true. Yeah. Um, so speaking of that race, <clears throat> this is a question that I've always wanted to ask, and I'm not trying to put you on the spot or anything, but as we see like in the in the presidential race, when people start realizing that they can't win, they generally start dropping out and saying, I'm going to drop out and I'm going to support this candidate. Mm-hmm. I'm not from St. Louis. Uh, I moved here in 2013. And so in that race, I saw that there was... Uh, there was one white candidate and there were four black candidates. And as the race moved on, I think it became pretty apparent that it was going to be between you and Mayor Crewson. Mm-hmm. There were other people that had no chance and stayed in the race. But then after that, it were people saying, well, we need, you know, we need more uh, representation, African-American representation. But it, in my opinion, from the outside looking in, it looked like that could have happened. But people chose not to drop out can you tell what's your opinion on why that may have happened
1: um i got one word ego beyonce mm. wrote a song about it want to <laughs> hear it? here it go <laughs> um you know and and a lot of times people come up to me you know in the grocery store or church you know still lamenting over that race and they ask why didn't you all get together and 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 talk about you know who would run or you know or who could drop out and that did happen Several times. That happened. That happened. Okay. Um, individually and collectively. Okay. And the only thing that happened was that Jamila Nasheed, Senator Jamila Nasheed, decided to drop out. And she said, and I quote, because I don't want to stand in the way of another black woman's success. Um, and that was not the same sentiment of the other black men in the race. Mm. Um, and then if uh, if your listeners and your viewers want to go take a look at the ethics reports, you can see that the black male candidates were funded by a lot of the same donors that our current mayor has. So mm. they can do the research.
0: Mm. Yeah, that was uh, see. I don't, I don't know the details of that. And I probably need to look at that ethics, ethics report. But just from the outside looking in, you know, it just looked like. Hateration.
1: <laughs> i, <laughs> I don't mean to speak for you i right couldn't yet. understand
0: why deep into the race when people saw they had no chance of winning why they why they wouldn't drop out and even if they dropped out and gave their support to mayor Cruson, that's fine but just drop out and give your support to someone and it didn't look like that was happening and so i just never understood why no, that and happened.
1: it wasn't because people didn't try mm. um it's just that they the the men just refused to drop out
0: yeah well that's sad um so with that being said, would you run for mayor again?
1: Yes, I am considering You're another considering? run. Um, but right now I have the treasurer's race in front of me. Um, but, you know, when you look at our city and how we haven't, um, how, how we're on a trajectory that um, that I don't think is a good one, um, I have to consider that. And, mm-hmm. you know, right now I'm running on my accomplishments as treasurer. And I would seriously wonder what the mayor's accomplishments and what she's going to run on.
0: hmm Mm. Well, we will we'll see here in the next year what mm. that's going to be. Right. So uh, last thing we want to end with is uh, where do you see yourself in five to 10 years? And I ask that because you are obviously very uh, well-spoken, uh, business savvy. You know what you're doing with financial empowerment. You have a lot of connections if you're not mayor. So let's say you run for mayor or you don't. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you see yourself staying in politics or starting your own business? Where do you, where does Tashar Jones see herself in five to ten years?
1: Um, so I, honestly, let's 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 do a couple scenarios. Okay. So if I run for mayor and win, I honestly see myself uh, staying there for at least two to three terms okay. um, because it takes a good ten years yeah, to see any real, uh, substantial change. Um, if I don't, mm-hmm. um, I'll stay here as treasurer because I really want to see. Uh, The college savings program that I started come to fruition. I want to see these babies that we started with in kindergarten, what they do with this money when they start to graduate. And you see how you know my smile is so big because I just love, love, love kids. Even I have one, of course, but um, I really want to see that program through to fruition and and grow it. You know, if I had a magic wand, I would like to book in the program, Mm. start kin. Uh, start our kindergartners off with a savings account and get them going, but also paying attention to our juniors and seniors, you know, sophomore or high schoolers who are considering uh, choices as after they graduate and really start to work with them to provide them the resources that they need. So is it a last dollar scholarship? Is Mm -hmm. it uh, a scholarship to a a local vocational school? Is it a scholarship to uh, a a Missouri four-year university? Mm -hmm. We could be like Stockton, California, for example, Example um, and the mayor Michael Tubbs is a good friend of mine. Hey Michael, if you're watching, um, <laughs> he started the Stockton Scholars Program, and every kid graduating from a Stockton uh, high school gets to gets a full scholarship to wherever they want to go in California. Mm. That could be Berkeley, it could be UCLA, it could wow. be the local you know University of California system college, yeah. but they have choices mm. right and, and you know because education is not the great equalizer okay. we have to have education and wealth and our families didn't have that kind of generational right. wealth that was passed down with white families yeah. you know our houses don't appreciate at the same value because of right. them being in black neighborhoods yeah. and so we need to even the playing field there but we also need to give our kids a step up uh, and, a, and, a, and a good first start when they are getting out of high school
0: right well That's a lot of good knowledge there, by your treasure, uh, Tashara Jones. And I hope, hopefully, you enjoyed this conversation and learned a few things in the process. One of the things we try to do on Details of Life is just to personalize the people, because a lot of times you see sound bites and you see uh, things going on in the media, and all you hear is that. But then getting to know these people was just a totally different way. So hopefully, you got a chance to get to know Mr. Tashara Jones a little bit better. And thank you guys for tuning in. Thank you for coming on again. Yes,
1: thank you for having me. No
0: problem. Uh, thank you. Peace. Thank you to for coming on. You know, hopefully you enjoyed that conversation. I think we talked about some really good subjects and, you know, got to know her a little bit better. So thanks again for coming on and uh, good luck to you in the future. You know, I want to close up with some commentary on free thought. And I've been a big advocate of this. Many of you know I used to do this blog on Facebook called The Sunday Opinion. I've kind of gotten away from that now that I'm doing my podcast and my blog now. But, you know, I always talk about subjects that, quite frankly, a lot of people don't want to talk about. And so, free thought is one of those things that I feel like is being jeopardized in America. It's being attacked from all angles, not just rich, poor. I mean, people are really being manipulated and not not being uh, not thinking for themselves to make decisions that's best for themselves. You know, I think uh, there's there's some things I just I heard a stat the other day that said Americans spend four years of their lives on the cell phone, four years. So put it to good use. Okay, yeah, get on the phone or whatever and call your friends, text. But there's so much knowledge at, at our fingertips on the phone, on the internet, uh, in the library. I just feel like too many people are just believing what anybody says. That goes for politics. That goes for uh, religion. You know, one of the things that really strengthened my faith in God was um, when I was a kid, I remember having questions and people would tell me, don't ask questions about that. Lean not on your own understanding, right? And, I'm, and as I got older, I realized they just didn't know the answers. So, but it did, what it did was made me not want to ask. And so as I got older, One of the things I always ask was like Jesus came as the king of Jews, but apparently left as a Christian. Right. Uh, Because Jews don't believe that uh, Jesus is the chosen one, that, that he's not the Messiah. So how is that? And why is that? So I'm not I'm not telling you what to believe. As many of you know, I never tell people what to believe. I just ask questions to make you think. And hopefully you go do your own research so you can come to your own conclusions, because if you're basing your entire faith on something that just your parents told you or that has been passed down through generations, Uh, that's dangerous. One of the things that's been passed down through generations, uh, a lot of people don't know, is that, you know, uh, Andrew Jackson was one of the most racist presidents of all time. He founded the Democratic Party. Now the Democratic Party is known for having uh, the black and minority vote. How did that happen and when? Do you know that, right? Or are you just voting because somebody told you to vote that way? Uh, Your parents always voted that way. Right, I, I I saw this I was watching Max Kellerman on ESPN the other day. They were having a debate about uh marijuana and the NBA and they said that it was this guy named Harry Anslinger. So I went and searched it up and sure enough there's this guy named Harry Anslinger in the nineteen thirties who really wanted to uh do a war on drugs and use it as fear to for political gain. We all have seen that done before, whether it's done with wars or other topics, which I'm not gonna get into, but uh he basically said that marijuana was uh, made the darkies feel like they were equal to white men and that Negroes and Filipinos and Mexicans were the ones smoking uh, marijuana. He stopped using the word cannabis because it made, he wanted to use marijuana cause it sound more Spanish and said that uh, it made them make sat- satanic music and made white women want to have sexual relations with them. So obviously in the 1930s when it's a lot of slavery, it's going to make people panic and go into all out criminalization and demonization of it. Now what 80 years later it's legal. Why? Right. Do do you ever ask those questions again? I'm not advocating for or against. I'm just asking, have you thought about these things? Right. Because it's important for you to know if you really want to base your opinion uh, and you want to get into debates. I see us being more divided as a country. And a lot of times I hear people arguing on wrong facts. Right. It's like they've just been told something they've heard a soundbite and then they go and run with it. And this is on both sides. This is on religion. This is politics. This is everything. This is race. And so I would just encourage you guys to go out and do your own research on the things that you really feel adamant about and make sure that you are standing on the truth. And whatever that is, then, then go for it. I, you know, if you want to uh, support something I don't support, but you feel like it's best for you and your community, that's what America's for. We all have the right to vote. Right. So uh, please, you know, use your free thought. There's the internet. There's the library. There's cell phones. There's knowledgeable people. There's books. Uh, don't go to just any slanted website where you know Fox or CNN, where you know those places are, are, are jaded, right? Go try to find independent sources and make decisions for yourself, right? Free thought. When free thought starts to get eradicated, that's when America's going to be in trouble. And it's already happening, guys. So I would just ask you to really uh, take the time out to do your research on things that you feel really are important to you, right? So with that being said. Always remember that greatness is in the details. I think that was perfect for that outing, right? Greatness is in the details, guys. Thank you for tuning in. God bless. Peace.